When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door. Winning. No, seriously, shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. <laughs> no one says that anymore, but I don't care. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Scared to death is explicit in every way. Please take care while listening. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that has no heart, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. Hello, Dan. I'm Lindsay. <laughs> Hello. Uh, oh, is that funny? <laughs> yeah, I'm always wondering how. I know it's never just going to be like I'm Lindsay. Like it's it's something because it just feels so awkward, <laughs> right? It's like Aki Waki. Oh man. Uh, last reminder. Uh, now for the third annual True Tales of Hallow's Eve Horror, you can grab tickets to our October 13th, Friday the 13th event, 6 p.m. Pacific time at BadMagicMerch.com or at Moment.co, where you can rewatch it all the way through November 1st as much as your heart desires. So hurry up. It's in three days. Let's go. Come on. Pull it together. <laughs> uh, new in the store, introducing the Forest Rituals Tea, wicked illustration of some hooded occult figures entering some kind of a, a pyramid temple, right? Kind of like the uh, hooded figures from last week's clock-based horror. Dun, dun, dun. Super dark, very cool. Loving these uh, darker Halloween themes designs at badmagicmerch.com. And if you're coming to the live show, you might want to get your like limited edition live show merch. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to see I'm using the limited edition blanket from last year. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what fan submitted horror do you have today, Lulu? I have two hoe bags this week. My, <laughs> um, my first one is a story about Maybe sleep paralysis or maybe something else. Okay. I always like those. Question mark. And my second story, I just thought that the sender gave it a great title. And that's all I'm going to tell you is The Uninvited Sleepover Guest. You like that title? Yeah. I thought it was dumb. Oh. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> no, I think it's a really good. I was going to say that no matter what you just said. Oh, No. <laughs> no, that sounds good. I wish I could cry on command. Oh that would God. be such a great moment. I've always wanted to be able to do that too, just to make things really awkward. Sometimes I like really, if I'm s- extremely tired and I think about like you dying, I yeah. can cry, but otherwise it's useless. My buddy Paul Runnels, I'm pretty sure he can do that. Paul can? Mm-hmm. Cry on command. Really? Yeah. I have uh, I have two stories today, both on the shorter side, both packed with plenty of spooky moments though. Short and packed. Got it. Short and packed. Uh, that's, that's, I wonder, is that a compliment if you describe somebody, man, they are short and packed. I mean, I think it depends on what you're looking for. (laughs) Uh, For the first story, we head to South Carolina's allegedly haunted Salem Black River Presbyterian Church. Do several spirits haunt not only the church, but the nearby church cemetery as well? And that story features a modern encounter claim that I very much enjoy. Okay. For the second story, we travel to the supposedly very haunted Waverly Hills Sanatorium in Louisville, Kentucky. The former location of a tremendous amount of death is now a hotspot for ghost hunters, and it sounds like for a good reason. So we have one story from where Olivia Lee is from. Well, I don't know, not the town, but the state at least. We, I think we should call her like Oli. Oli. Ooh, yeah. And then we have another story where uh, Tyler C. is from. TC. Mm-hmm. He was producing today, but voice not very much there. Tyler. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It was Tyler wrecked his voice at summer camp. Like, so we're recording some back-to-back episodes. So if you watch last week's episode, are you like, wait, they're wearing the same clothes? Whatever. Yeah. So the guys yeah. alternate. They take turns. And yeah. Tyler's now here. And uh, hmm? the rave master camp, has lost his voice. rave master. We had a good time. <laughs> this is an improvement from last yeah. time. Um, okay. So we're going to hear about one of the creepiest entities in the Waverly Hills uh, story that we've come across in quite a while. You got your socks ready to go? You protected? I was doing a very seductive sock reveal. Oh. Okay, now you guys, this is, they're kind of hard to read, but, oh, you can see it now. Spoopy thick. 
<laughs> I don't know who sent these, but they have been sitting on my desk. I've just been waiting spoopy for October. Spoopy thick, short and packed. Short and packed, spoopy thick. Okay, here we go. Uh, the current incarnation of the Salem Black River Presbyterian Church was built over 175 years ago back in 1846. Commonly known as the Old Brick Church, it was an important location for the nearby town of Maysville, located in Sumter County, South Carolina. Scots-Irish settlers founded the first version of the church nearly a century earlier in 1759 as a daughter church of Williamsburg Presbyterian in King Street, South Carolina. The first brick church was constructed in 1802, which replaced a log meeting house. The current building was constructed in 1846 and is one of the oldest brick churches in the state. The church has remained almost completely unaltered since it was first built and is now listed on the National Register of Historic Places. Behind the main church is a small white building called the Session House. Also built in 1846, it was used to conduct church business and also for the trials of members who had fallen from grace, according to the South Carolina Picture Project. Thankfully, while some were excommunicated, no one was burned at the stake or anything like that. Not those kind of trials. Phew. Behind the Session House is the Church Cemetery, where the oldest grave dates back to 1794. The church now sits on private property, and public services are currently only held twice a month and not well attended. Ooh. Current congregation is uh, small to say the least. There's about 30 members. Oh. And only about half of them regularly attend services. Nowadays, the church probably attracts more ghost hunters than it does members of the congregation. Salem Black River Presbyterian Church often appears on lists of South Carolina's most haunted locations. One online, online commenter noted that Horrible things happened every time they visited, and another said they couldn't even get out of their car. They felt too uneasy and also nauseous upon arrival. The church is said to have a few resident spirits, including a mysterious and possibly malevolent Southern Belle and the ghost of a young boy. A few have claimed to see the woman's spirit and the little boy's spirit walking through the cemetery. The church grounds and graveyard are also reportedly haunted by the ghost of a former angry priest. According to legend, all of the priest's family died during a disease outbreak, leaving him as the sole survivor. As a result of the tragedy, he began to question his faith. That questioning led to him blaming God, then hating God, allegedly turning to Satanism and performing rituals on church grounds. In the years since, some have claimed to see a dark figure lingering inside and around the session house, and this figure is believed to be the ghost of that priest or something conjured by him. Additionally, there have been reports of whispers and disembodied voices attributed to numerous spirits, cold spots, and tech malfunctions as well. The following undated story comes from a former congregation member who, while lucky to not have had a terrible experience with the ghost of the priest, believes she encountered the spirit of the Southern Belle when she was a little girl, and it was not a pleasant encounter. Time now for the tale of Mama. I've lost many of my childhood memories as I've aged. Although I don't think of it very often, every now and then I'm taken back to that dark and lonely place that was once a central part of my life. My parents were regular churchgoers. We rarely missed a service, often showing up early and heading out late because they got caught up talking to someone. It happened on one of those nights. I no longer remember exactly when it happened. I was only six at the time, but I remember it was cold. One of those winter nights where the sun set just after 6 p.m. We came for the typical four o'clock service, which lasted well over an hour. Afterwards, my parents stood outside to chat with some of the older congregation members. I always hated that part. It was hard enough to sit still during service, and then I had to wait even longer to get home. I was the only kid in the congregation, meaning I had no one to talk to or play with while the adults chatted. This day, I wanted to go home for a different reason. I remember feeling exhausted. I had been since the moment we arrived. I could barely keep my eyes open during the service. I'd wanted to lay down on the hard wooden pew to sleep, but a sharp pinch from my mother kept me awake. I was becoming impatient with how long they were talking, so I tugged my mother's skirt to get her attention. She pushed my hand aside and continued talking, so I tugged again. She gave me a sharp look and spoke to me in a sweet voice that I knew wasn't genuine. Yes, honey? I'm tired, Mama. Go wait in the car then. Her eyes shot daggers at me. She hated it when I whined or acted out in front of the other church members. It embarrassed her. Feeling defeated, I turned away and faced the makeshift parking lot. It was dark beyond the main doors of the church. The sun had fully set about 10 minutes ago. 
I could see the group of cars parked off a ways near the little white house that I always wanted to explore. I was feeling apprehensive as I trudged over to my family's car. My walk soon turned into a run as I sought out the safety of an enclosed space. Being alone in the dark was, and still is, terrifying to me. While I grabbed the handle of the back door, I heard a faint voice calling out to me. Come here! I paused. The voice sounded like my mother, but I was confused. I thought she was standing just outside the church. I stood on my toes and craned my neck, but my parents had parked near larger vehicles that obscured my view. Mama? I asked hesitantly. Yes, darling, it's me. My first instinct was to trust in the voice that sounded so much like my mother's. I took my hand off the door handle and stepped away from the car. I couldn't see anything near the little white house, but I heard the voice again. Come here! I took another step forward, slightly closer to the building. Mama, where are you? I called out. I could now see the church building, but I was too far away to see anything in detail. Still, I thought I saw my mother's figure standing by the door, but if that was the case... How could she be right here with me? I must be confused, I told myself. Come, come! I heard my mother's voice again in that sweet tone she took on when she had a surprise for me, or when we were going to do something fun. It made me want to follow her. Taking one last look at the church, I ignored the uneasy feeling in my gut and took a few more steps forward. I saw a woman's figure standing by a tree. There was just enough moonlight that I could see basic shapes. She was wearing a dress, but it wasn't like the one my mother was wearing that day. It was long and big, and her face was covered by something that looked like a veil. I took a step back. You're not my mama, I said meekly. I, I should go back. Even though I was too young to understand what was happening, I knew something was off. She didn't like it when I said that. Even though I couldn't see her face, I heard the disapproval in her tone. Of course I'm your mama, Adeline. Come here this instant. I would recognize that stern voice anywhere. My parents had always warned me about going places with strangers, but I really thought this was my mother, even if she looked different than she had a few minutes ago. How could I not trust her? She had even called me by my full name, which she only did when I was in trouble. She held out her hand, still cloaked in shadow, and I reached out my own as I took the final steps towards her. I felt her fingers gripping mine firmly. Her hand was cold, so cold it almost hurt. I wanted to take my hand away, but she was holding it too tightly. She was so tall that I couldn't see her face through the thin black veil she was wearing. Again, I thought this was wrong. My mother was much shorter, but the voice that spoke to me was hers. There we go. Now, come with Mama. My feet could hardly keep up with her as she pulled me towards the cemetery. I didn't want to go there. It had always scared me, especially at night. Ever since I saw a haunted cemetery on TV, I decided I would never step foot in one. I don't want to go there, Mama, I said, panic rising and tears starting to form. Come along, she said, a hint of warning in her voice as she continued pulling me beside her. We arrived at the gate. I watched in fascination as she pulled it open and led me inside, the old metal creaking behind us. She continued her brisk pace towards the back of the cemetery, where it seemed like the light completely disappeared. Why are we here, Mama? I asked, tugging on her hand to get her to stop walking. She ignored me. After what seemed like forever, but was probably less than a minute, she stopped. I could no longer see my mother, but I felt her let my hand go and heard her take a step away from me. We're here now, darling, she said, but her voice sounded different like a whisper. I was once again overwhelmed by exhaustion. Even though I was afraid and didn't know quite where I was, all I wanted to do was lay down and sleep. As if she could sense this, I felt my mother's hands stroking my hair. Sleep now, Adeline, her voice whispered in my ear, and I did. I have no memories of what happened between the time I seemingly fell asleep and the time I was woken up by people shouting. I saw my parents' faces pressed against the cemetery gate. I was back at the entrance. They were yelling at me, asking me where I had been, if I was all right. My mother looked different. She was back in her normal dress. I wondered where she put the other one. My brain felt foggy, but I tried to tell them that Mama had taken me to the cemetery. They gave me strange looks like they didn't believe me. They said I had wandered off on my own, and I was going to be in a lot of trouble once we got home. I had to go to my room for the rest of the night, and I wasn't allowed to watch TV for the next week. Anytime I tried to tell my mother that I was talking to her near the white building that she had taken me into the cemetery, she didn't listen. She accused me of making up crazy stories to get out of trouble. I decided to stop talking about it. I dreamed of the woman in the cemetery almost every night for months. Those dreams were terrifying, far worse than what had really happened. In some of them, she took me deeper and deeper into the woods, 
In others, I was trapped in the cemetery and could never get out. As I aged, the memories of my most disturbing dreams merged with what I knew was a true event. This story I just shared is what I believe really happened that night. My parents continued going to that church for the next 10 years until we moved away to a bigger city. I never saw that woman by the cemetery again. As I grew older, though, I started to realize that she most definitely was not my mother, but I still don't know whether she wanted to hurt me or not. She hadn't seemed evil, but I had also felt something that something bad was going to happen to me if I didn't listen to her. Although it always called to me on those dark nights, I kept true to my promise that I would never step foot in that church cemetery again, and I avoided the urge to explore the little white house at all costs. Dun, dun, dun. That is so scary for a little kid. It's like, you're in that phase of like, well, if I don't listen, I'm going to get in so much trouble. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's that weird, like, um, mixed message of like, you know, respect your elders, respect adults, but don't talk to strangers. And when mm-hmm. there's like confusion over that, it's like, is this a stranger? Is this, yeah, like, uh, yeah, that would be uh, very scary. I wonder if in her adult years, she was ever able to explain to her mom or her parents, like, that it was something mm-hmm. else. Yeah, I wonder if her mom would ever believe her. I mean, I would think, okay. I would think that if after like 20, 30, 40 years, if your kid is still like, dude, mom. I think it depends on the person. I bet some people would just hold firm forever. Like, well, just your your kid and your imagination got the best of you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Yes. But also like, uh, sorry that you got in trouble for. Totally. Totally. For really thinking that, you know, whatever. Yeah. 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 Do you have Uh, pictures? I do. This first picture is a photo of the Salem Black River Presbyterian Church. Oh, uh-huh, just a very different, like with all with the brick and the and the pillars there, the concrete or they might be brick too, actually. Well, they're probably cement at the very I mean, at the I know, very it looks least, like, like cement. smooth. Yeah. Like, uh but also like uh those like columns, it's just so weird. Like it doesn't feel like it fits there. Mm-hmm. Like a what is that? Like even Greek, Italianate? Like, Greek yeah, revival? Greek, yeah, Greek revival, I think. Uh this next one is the session house. So just another little like, you know. Outline building. That's more of what I was expecting. Like an old wooden house. And then uh, this one, the interior of the Salem Black River Presbyterian Church. Nothing spooky here, but just in case you're curious. Oh, okay. Well, that could be spooky. Mm Mm-hmm. And then uh, the Salem Black River Cemetery Gate is this next photo where she wandered through. Salem Black River. And it's kind of a spooky, just spooky name, Salem Black River. Just the association with Salem Witch Trials. I know. I was and like, then Black River. Black River. And then this- Does the uh, river run black? I don't know. It's like a weird- I, I, I doubt it. Uh, last one, another shot of the cemetery towards the back and away from the gate. Maybe- uh, It's full near, of blood. It's near where she river. slept. That is a creepy ass cemetery. It's those trees. What do they call them? Mm-hmm. Cypress trees? Weeping willows. Weeping willows. Yeah. You see down in some place in the South. Mm-hmm. I know that combined with cemetery, an old cemetery with like- mm-hmm. The, what is it? The water stains, uh, what you call those stains, but just like weathered over time. It's like the classic spooky cemetery for America. Yeah. I mean, I feel like when I see a weeping willow or a cypress tree, I don't think those are jacarandas. Um, but that like, I love them in the mm-hmm. daytime. In the nighttime, no, 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 Yeah, there no. is something spooky about them. Yeah. Because they're yeah. like wispy and... Excuse yeah. me. Just the way that they hang down, it feels like uh, fingers or it just has a different kind of movement. Like if you see a bunch of like leaves like mm-hmm. this moving, it doesn't feel like anything. But when, when it when it's something like long tendrils, it can yeah. feel like spider webs. It can just feel. It's funny when it gets associated with like it has scary. a different movement yeah. to it. Like it almost has a ethereal movement yeah. to it as opposed to like a a maple tree shaking just mm-hmm. doesn't give off that same kind of scary. Well, I was thinking like the least creepy tree, probably like pine trees. Pine trees have no scary association. They have a Christmas association. Right, right. It's like a happy association. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, um, any, uh, any questions about this one? Uh, no, I was writing notes about my mom going to church. And oh, funny. I, I like when you were when you said they went to church on Sundays at four, I thought that is not how it works now. Now you can go to Sunday or you can go to church on Saturday at four PM and it still counts on for Sunday. Mm. So you have to go like there's some silly rule about like sundown or something. For her for the Catholic Church, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like, I don't is she sure she went on Sunday? Because it feels like she went on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> if I went with my mom to church on Saturday, that meant I didn't have to get up early to go to church on Sunday. And that was always a great reward. Different different churches, different rules. 
okay, as long as you're ready. I'm ready spaghetti. Okay, time to leave a haunted church and cemetery. And uh, again, in research for Olivia Lee's home state in South Carolina and explore a haunted former sanatorium in Tyler C.'s hometown of Louisville, Kentucky. Let's go. But first, I bet nearly everyone listening can guess what we'll be doing. Mm, ads? That's right. Going to take a quick in-between story sponsor break. When something happens to your car, you might say, No! My car! But what you really need to say is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, State Farm is there to help you file your claim right on the State Farm mobile app. So, just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. And we're back and ready for more horror creeps and peepers. Waverly Hills. Decent amount of history before exploring its haunted claims. The now abandoned Waverly Hills Sanatorium in Louisville, Kentucky is considered at least, according to a few internet lists, to be one of the most haunted buildings in the entire United States. Whoa. Due to the sheer amount of deaths associated with the property and its infamous death shoot, the former sanatorium has inspired many fictional tales and movies. The building started off as a one-room schoolhouse, built in 1883 for the daughter of Major Thomas H. Hayes. Hayes needed a school facility for his daughter and hired Lizzie Lee, uh, Lizzie Lee Harris, as the only teacher. Lizzie requested that the building be named after the Waverly novels by Sir Walter Scott, published in the last few, uh, published in the first few decades of the 19th century. Uh, they were among the most popular and widely read novels in the Western world. Uh, for several decades. At the time of the schoolhouse's construction, and still uh, the case a few decades later, tuberculosis was a leading cause of death in the U.S. Facilities like sanatoriums, specialized hospitals dedicated to treating chronic diseases or illnesses like tuberculosis, especially tuberculosis at that time, opened across America. And since there was no cure for tuberculosis, these sanatoriums were more like hospices than proper hospitals. Most people who entered had to have felt fairly certain that places like Waverly would be their final home. In 1908, the Waverly Schoolhouse on the Hill was purchased by the local board of Tuberculosis Hospital to serve as a small sanatorium, which officially opened on July 26, 1910. In the following years, the former schoolhouse became the five-story structure it is today. The fully renovated, much bigger Waverly Hill Sanatorium officially opened on October 17, 1926. The sanatorium was built to house 400 patients. But it was chronically overcrowded from the beginning. And for a brief time, at the height of the tuberculosis epidemic, an average of one patient died every hour. Ugh. The total number of deaths at Waverly is unknown, but the figure is thought to be at least 6,000 and possibly as high as 63,000. Because of the constant death, deaths that surprisingly or unsurprisingly were not good for patient morale, the now infamous 537-foot-long body or death chute was built from the hospital leading to the old railroad tracks at the bottom of the hill, so all the bodies could be disposed of more discreetly. Using a motor motorized rail and cable, body after body after body was lowered down to waiting vehicles in an effort to conceal just exactly how much death there was inside Waverly Hills. While uh, when Waverly uh, officially opened, it was considered the most advanced tuberculosis hospital in America, there was still very little known about the disease, and in many cases, the treatments given to patients were worse than the disease itself, leading to many more additional deaths due to these treatments and not to the disease. For example, in some cases, surgeons would implant rubber balloons into patients' lungs. What? And then fill them with air to forcefully expand them in a misguided effort to increase the patient's breathing capabilities. What often resulted from that procedure was, you know, patients' lungs literally bursting. In another painful and bloody procedure, with an incredibly high mortality rate, muscles and ribs would be removed from the patient in order to give the lungs more space to, quote, stretch. This experimental surgery also often led to a lot of painful deaths. Occasionally, patients even had parts of their lungs surgically removed or collapsed uh, intentionally in an attempt to let the organ rest. And that, of course, only led to more death. Fortunately, with the development of antibiotic treatments and a vaccine, tuberculosis rates dropped rapidly heading into the mid-20th century, and there was now no longer a need for sanatoriums. Waverly Hills closed down in 1961, and then the building reopened as the Woodhaven Geriatric Facility the following year, 
Unfortunately, this facility would not treat patients much more humanely than the sanatorium did. Budget cuts in the 60s and 70s led to regular mistreatment and neglect of patients on a number of levels, and then the state of Kentucky finally closed Waverly Hills for good in 1982. The building was abandoned for the next 19 years until Charlie and Tina Mattingly purchased the property in 2001. Charlie's father had once been an orderly at the hospital, and now Charlie works hard, slowly trying to restore the property to its former glory. In the time the building was left abandoned, it was heavily vandalized and was allegedly a preferred spot for local Satanists to perform rituals. Curiosity seekers would often break in to hunt for the spirits they'd heard about. With this kind of history, the couple were not shocked when they soon found out that Waverly Hills had its fair share of ghosts residing in the building. Rather than wanting to flee from their haunted property, the Madding Lees leaned into it. For years now, many years, they turned the property into a haunted house attraction, a very popular one, every September and October. And they've allowed ghost hunters to explore the grounds throughout the year. Time now for the tale of the Creeper. The Mattingly's claim that many visitors, and themselves, have experienced the paranormal over and over again at Waverly. Tina Mattingly told a local newspaper in 2017 that people have reported seeing orbs, lights, and spirits in the body chute tunnel. The main entrance of the hospital is said to be home to the spectral form of an old woman who is constantly weeping. This area has also had many reports of an unidentified shadow person lurking about. The first floor was once home to the morgue, the x-ray department, and the sanatorium lobby. And supposedly, according to Charlie and Tina Mattingly, the dead bodies of a man and his dog were once found there. And horrifyingly, their eyes had been gouged out. They believe that is evidence of satanic activity. The old kitchen, cafeteria, and chapel are located on the second floor. A phantom organ has been heard playing at various times throughout the day and night. The eerie sounds of music filling the large open space. The lights in the kitchen have often been seen glowing from the outside, even when power to the building has been turned off. Third floor is home to beloved resident ghost, Timmy, the ghost of a little boy, approximately seven years old. Many visitors have brought toys for him to play with, and some have claimed that they've rolled a ball down the hallway only to have Timmy roll it back. The fourth floor is considered the most paranormally active area of the hospital. Doors have been heard slamming, shadow figures have been seen creeping along the walls, a man in white wandering the halls have been witnessed at night. The fifth floor houses the former nurse's station and patient room 502. A few staff members are thought to have died of suicide on this floor, and it's believed that the spirits of at least two former nurses still haunt the sanatorium. Their spirits especially witnessed in or around room 502. In 1928, nurse Mary Hillenberg died of suicide just outside the doorway to room 502 after she found out she was pregnant outside of wedlock. Also rumored that she was sick with tuberculosis. A maintenance man found her body hanging in front of the elevator one morning when he arrived for work. In 1932, another nurse jumped off the balcony and fell to her death. Maybe. Rumors persist to this day that she was pushed. Almost everyone who enters room 502 is overcome with a strong feeling of despair and an additional female apparition has occasionally been heard in the room telling visitors to get out. It appears every single part of the building is haunted, even the roof. Some visitors have reported hearing children's voices and the sounds of playing and laughter on the roof of the sanatorium. The fifth floor used to house the children's unit. Even doppelgangers are said to have been witnessed inside Waverly Hills. A man named Mike Flickner was giving a tour of the building one night, and he divided his group up amongst the floors. At one point, he was on the fifth floor and then came down to the third floor to check on some tour members and found a small group of people upset with him. One of them explained why. He said, you came down here just five minutes ago. You took two steps towards us, turned away from us, walked down two doors and went out of the solarium. Mike insisted that he had not been downstairs and that whoever they had all just witnessed was not him. Creepy, but not as creepy as the most terrifying entity witnessed in the building. Witnessed all over the former sanatorium, but mostly spotted on the second floor, a shadow figure has been witnessed crawling along both the floor and the ceiling. Or perhaps dragging is a better way to describe its movement. The dark figure appears to have a human form from the waist up, but is missing its legs and moves about by dragging itself along by its arms. The figure has been called the Creeper. Someone identifying themselves as Moira claimed to encounter this disturbing entity on a ghost tour a few years ago. Ironically, she said she ran into this thing after trying to take a break from the tour because she was starting to feel a bit too freaked out. While her tour was up on the fifth floor, she returned to the second floor to use the restroom. 
Walking into the bathroom, she initially assumed that a window must be open due to how cold the room was, but she found the window firmly shut. She then assumed that the building's heating system just wasn't keeping the room warm and she wasn't alarmed. Not initially. But then as she sat on the toilet, the temperature dropped further, and now she could see her breath, and she started to shiver. And accompanying the temperature drop, she started to feel afraid, like something else had entered the room. Something she began to silently pray to herself that she wouldn't have to see. She just wanted to hurry up and get out of the building. But before she was able to fully stand up and pull and pull her pants back on, she heard the sounds of what she thought was something being dragged. And then she screamed as she watched the shadowy shape of a human torso pull itself across the ceiling in a series of creepy, jerking motions. She sat back down immediately, afraid to leave her stall, continuing to hear the dragging sound. She could tell that the thing was still in the room with her. She peeked through the crack between the stall divider and the door, saw the thing now pulling itself along the wall, and screamed again. Next, she heard it on the floor somewhere, but couldn't see it. Wherever it now was, though, she could tell it was coming towards her. And then all went silent. She quietly and carefully pulled her pants back up, stood to her feet. Ah! Myra said she screamed like she'd never screamed before as the entity now slid under the stall walls, the shape of its dark arms and head nearly touching her feet. She unlocked the stall door in record time, ran screaming out of first the bathroom, then the building itself. So much for avoiding the worst of the ghost tour. She since read everything she can find about both the history of Waverly Hills Sanatorium's residents and paranormal encounters and cannot determine what could possibly be the backstory behind such a strange and terrible entity. I wonder what did happen to it. Did it get chopped in half when it was going down the death chute? Mm, I don't know. Did they do some sort of weird experimental surgery? Yeah. Is it the sibling of Click Clack Slide? Ooh, oh yeah. Immediately, I wrote that down immediately. Click Clack Slide equals Creeper. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was oh, that was a good one. Because um, it's that same sort of like missing a half a body. Uh-huh, uh-huh. What if we've discovered a whole new kind of horrible entity? And it, it does show up, I feel like, in a lot of like horror movies because it is just, I don't know, I don't even fully know why. I guess just because... Um, well, it's a terrible visual. Well, it's like, like maybe like uh, your plays with your, would play with your mind in the sense that like it shouldn't be alive if it's missing too much, you know, like right. it should be bleeding out or, or something or I don't know. Or maybe it like plays on your like um, your sympathy for somebody who might be like, you know, a paraplegic. Or like, I mean, people yeah. do lose. Totally. Maybe it's I mean, your and there own are, like, fear of losing your limbs. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. Yeah. And there are like, you know, rare and sad conditions where people aren't like, you know, born with all yeah. of their bits and bobs and, you know, uh-huh. horrible explosions. I mean, there's there are people who live like that. So I think it's just yeah. sort of this like it would be a horrific way to live life as we know it because we function with all yeah. of our moving parts and we're healthy and active and all those things. So it's like a the thought of losing a limb is very scary yeah. and very foreign to us because we don't understand what that would be like. So then to see it in like a horror format, like mm-hmm. a scary way, an entity that's just pulling itself along, probably probably looks yeah. anguished and in pain. And to see that mofo dragging itself across right. the ceiling, anything that runs across the ceiling or like moves across the ceiling in any capacity. Yeah. I was just thinking about it upside down, no legs, pulling itself, pulling itself, pulling itself. Now it's yeah. like slowly trickling itself down the wall and across the floor. I, I would want it to be scary for me. I mean, it just like if it moved fast, it'd be scary in the sense that like you're not used to seeing somebody with only arms and a torso be able to move quickly, like like necessarily. But it's like I think because of um, which is a very good thing. Uh, so many different things have been normalized. It's like the good part of social media. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of accounts I uh, I have followed or follow of like somebody who doesn't have like they're like they're they don't even have really a pelvis. I, like yeah. I, I have questions of like I would want to see a chart of like where do the organs fit. Yeah. But, but it doesn't freak me out. Like in, in a no, good way. You're fascinated way. by it in a way mm. of like, uh, I think you're even like inspired, inspired by, by it. Yeah. Yep. And, and I follow, yeah, I follow lots of accounts of people like missing various limbs, all their limbs and doing lots of different things. I've met people like no limb and stuff. So I wonder like if some of that stuff, those fears come back from like 50 years ago, 100 years ago yeah. when it was way less because you just didn't see it because they would sadly take people that had those conditions and just hide them. Yeah, they'd, yeah. They'd put them in an, an asylum or a sanatorium. Mm-hmm. Well, they just didn't know what to do. They didn't know how right. to treat it. They, it was, yeah. So I don't that even, fear of the other, you're just not used to it. Yeah, and doctors didn't have the technology, the knowledge, the database to yeah. to navigate how to heal, to help, to, you know, totally. help them have a somewhat, what we call normal life. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Wow. I have some photos. I have a uh, uh, this first one, a photo of Waverly Hills Sanatorium in 1938. So big. Yeah, it's a massive complex. Yeah, massive. Uh, Tyler has been to the uh, uh, like the haunted, like the Halloween, uh, the haunted house, the haunted house part of it, and he said it's really creepy when you walk up that hill and think about all the stories you've heard from it and the way the buildings come into view mm-hmm. at uh, that time of year, especially he's like, it's super spooky, I guess. I bet it is. Uh, this next one, a long row of beds full of patients, sadly dying of tuberculosis taken in 1935. Oh, oh, and man. just having that be your final moments, just in a series, one in a series of many beds. Yeah. I know thinking about like when you were opening the story saying, you know, most people who entered there knew that this was it. Yeah. People didn't recover. Yeah. Your most part. Um, yeah. Uh, this this next one, the infamous death shoot. It's crazy. You can see light at the end there. Oh. Yeah. It makes sense though. Like if you just like remove all emotion, if yeah, you're for, not thinking mm-hmm. about like the sanctity of a body at death, you know, like yeah. every culture is different about how they treat the dead. And I'm, I know that yeah. Many, many cultures have such deep reverence for the dead. But if you're a patient there, you don't want to see constantly somebody being dragged right in front of you over and over. That's going to destroy your morale. Yeah. Well, and you don't have good morale to begin with when right. you enter there. So, and then like also just like how as a facility, how do you manage that? Mm-hmm. I mean, where do you, there's, if, if the facility itself is chronically overpopulated with yeah. people who are still living, and then you also have to navigate, if you have 400 living people and 400 dead people, that doesn't. No, I mean, I think like. It's really sad, but it, it just. I mean, if I was, if I was running it, I, I, I would imagine like if, if you didn't have the money for that, I guess you could just do like big windows where it's like you could just toss people out the windows. Totally. And then at the end of the day, you could have, you know, groundskeepers with like wheelbarrows just kind of like round them up. Yeah, yeah. And have like a big pit dug or something. I was thinking it could be like. For, you know. I was thinking like just, you know, for like morale for like the patients yeah. that are still there, mm-hmm. you could have like cool like cannons and stuff and you could just like Boom. load the bodies in. Catapults. Yeah. And just mm-hmm. like. Yep. <laughs> load the Greg. Aim the Greg. That's Fire. what I was going for. I mean, yeah. 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 Then mm-hmm. you could put, um, you could tie, you could just tape um, sparklers to them. Oh, it'd be so exciting. And light them and have like a, and have music and have like a nightly fireworks display. I think that like for the people that were still living, it would be a really exciting thing where it's like, you know. Not only could you enjoy the show, but then you could also look forward to being part of the show. Right. Can you imagine some misguided, like some maniac who like, they really like get in this angle. Like, I really think this would be good for morale. Yeah. I think everyone <laughs> enjoys seeing bodies blowing up in the sky. And then you have like a groundskeeper who yeah. like in, in the cover of night, yeah. uh, under the cover of night has to like roam the grounds in like a little like golf cart. I'm thinking of that tiny oh little God. truck we saw at camp uh-huh. where it's like a like a small, really short, stubby cab and a really short, stubby bed. Collect they, all the people that have been catapulted? Yeah, they have to collect like various like pieces. Cause like you're not gonna find all the pieces, but it's like yep. here's a nose, here's three fingers, here's a foot, here's a torso. I think you wait, maybe yeah. that's how we got Creeper. Oh, maybe. He was exploded and I was thinking for morale. I'm sorry, you guys were so sick. I think I've talked I think I've already made this joke a long time ago in time, but a version of it, but for morale, you <laughs> You have like a field where you have like the catapult kind of like field. Yeah. You know, like that where you get the wheel all the patients out to like watch it. And then you have targets out there. And there can oh. be like if if you hit certain targets, like one's like cake night. You get cake night. <laughs> Another one, you get a dance party. Yeah, know? no, totally. Like rewards. Like top golf. You get <laughs> like top golf. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Just make it a little lighter. I was just thinking about how when we took Kyler to college, his thing for that whole week was like, I'm yeah. going to explode you. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Don't make me explode Don't you. Don't make me explode you. <sighs> uh, I, do have, I do have one more picture. I just thought this was a cool little, like, uh, I think they added it to the Mattingly's, but a little stone gargoyle keeping guard on the grounds today. I'm curious what the Mattingly's plan is. So they're restoring it for what? Well, I, I, I'm guessing the haunted attract. Tyler said it's very popular. Yeah. Probably decent moneymaker. So some of the restoration is to make it just like uh, creepy or like that time period. Sure. But maybe they do have other designs. I don't know. Maybe they have thoughts of like uh, selling it someday or like renovating it. You know, it could be a bunch of condos. Like they do that with uh, That's what a I lot wondered. of old asylums. I was like, oh, are they going to renovate it? And you can live there, renovate it, yeah. and it's a hotel. Wouldn't be the first place like that that's that, that's happened to it. I mean, I will say in previous stories when we've come across that, some people have done developers really good jobs where it does look super cool now. Yeah, it's just a matter of whether or not you can convince people to live there. Yeah. Which... You can. Not me, but right. others. But a fair amount of people, yeah. Yeah, a fair amount of people. Uh, I also haven't been there in 20 years. 
Oh, oh so yeah. It might be that right now, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we just get an email from somebody. They're like, what? No, I think I think. I, we, we, what, what did this used to be? They're, <laughs> they're, they're from a completely different part of the country and they have no idea. From what I can tell online, I mean, it's, I don't I don't remember com- coming across articles from 2023 or 2022, but the most recent ones I could find showed that it was still owned by the Mattingly's and still like used as like a haunted attraction in the fall. So if it has been converted. Maybe a portion of it is kept for that. But, but a building but of that size, I mean, that's expensive restoration. So also, yeah, where are they getting the money? Sell it to a developer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then they're going to tear it down. And maybe they don't want that. Yeah. Maybe they don't want it to be torn down. Maybe it was the if dad. The bones are really good. I mean, you, it could be converted into like a a nice, you know, upscale place to live. So weird. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you for sharing those stories, Dan. You're welcome. I really like them. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> do you have a Layla? I do. Same one from last week. Oh, no. By last week, I mean a couple hours ago. In, in our time. And our time, one week later. We're close to the singularity. We're floating towards a black hole. Time is starting to break down. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Can you take that all back? No. Yes, we're fine. (laughs) I'm scared. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. Well, I have two stories for you, as I mentioned previously, and I know that that's very shocking. My first story is a potential sleep paralysis, but not. Okay. Which is always a good scare. Okay. Hi, Dan and Lindsay. Hello. Hello. My name is Julio, and I am from the Seattle area. My story takes place during a trouble. I wonder if it's Julio Rodriguez from the Mariners. Oh my! One God. of the best young baseball players in decades. Julio, Probably, I'm gonna say I'm assuming it is. It must be. It has to be. You know, the thing is, the thing is, actually, now that you mention <laughs> it, he did include his email, mm-hmm. and he said, like, please, at, if you ever want to come to a game, let me know, and I'll hook Ma- you up with my suite at MarinersMLB.com. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Anyways, sorry, <laughs> we're tired. Okay, <laughs> we're a little loopy. My name is Julio, not from the Mariners, and from the Seattle area. My story took place during a troubling time. My sister left the country for a few months with my niece to deal with some legal documents. Her husband stayed behind to keep the business running and to watch over their home. Our family is incredibly close and has never lived further than a few hours away from one another. You can understand how my sister and niece living in a different country was weighing heavy on the family. Their absence was very noticeable, especially given the fact that I was living at their home at the time. There were many nights that I dreamt about them, but one night was incredibly different. I awoke in the dark, staring up at the ceiling, covered in the yellow hue of the streetlights. I attempted to turn myself over with no success. I couldn't move, lying perfectly on my back in the center of the bed. My eyes were the only part of me free to observe the room. I knew immediately I was experiencing sleep paralysis. The phenomenon of sleep paralysis is not foreign to me. I've experienced it several times to the point that I've developed strategies on how to snap myself out of it. My go-to move always is to focus on wiggling my index finger. So So on that night, when I awoke frozen in place, I knew exactly what to do. As I started to concentrate on moving my finger, I was interrupted by a little girl's voice whispering my name. Ricky, Ricky, a chill went up my spine. Only my family and close friends call me Ricky. The voice sounded exactly like my niece's, which for a moment made sense. But then I remembered she was out of the country. I moved my eyes toward the end of my bed and I saw it. It was a silhouette, completely blacked out, a little girl lacking all detail in the face and body. My stomach dropped and my heart raced. I was terrified. I attempted to rationalize what was happening. I've heard of police. I've heard of people hallucinating and seeing shadow figures during sleep paralysis, but I had never experienced it. I desperately tried to calm myself down and continued to focus on waking up. Then the shadow started to walk towards the side of my bed slowly. I watched it move until it was out of my peripheral view and I couldn't turn my head to face it. I had to accept the fact that someone or something was inches away from me in the dark. My heart started to race faster and I tried to shout, but I could only produce mumbling. Then I felt my bed start to move as if someone was getting into bed with me. I couldn't see the shadow, but something definitely was lying beside me. Now my focus went from wiggling my finger to frantically trying to turn my head to face whatever had lied in bed with me. Suddenly, in the corner of my eye, something moved. My door was open and in the doorway stood two adult-sized figures. They stood there, completely still, never entering the room, almost as if they were observing what the other shadow would do next. I was outnumbered, vulnerable, and I felt on the verge of complete panic. 
Oddly enough, when I stared at the two new figures for a bit longer, I began to feel relief. I felt as if I was seeing the shadow of my sister and her husband. Then I thought perhaps the little girl was my niece. I was almost convinced that was the truth, but that was impossible. My sister and niece were out of the country. There was no way they could be in my room, and yet something was trying to convince me otherwise. A few moments later, I was able to move my finger and snapped out of my paralysis. I gasped for air, feeling as if I was trapped at the bottom of a pool, racing to break to the surface. I looked around. All the shadow people were gone. No evidence of the nightmare, only the memory. I sat up frantically, moved my hands across my bed to confirm that no one was under the sheets. Then I looked up into the darkness of my opened door, anticipating I would see the shadows. There was nothing. I was relieved, but something still didn't feel quite right. And then it dawned on me. I never, never slept with the door open. And yet there it was, wide open. I can find comfort from almost everything that night in the experience of others. The shadow figures, the feeling of something crawling on the bed, and the sound of voices. All are rooted in some form of dream state hallucination. But that open door, that eerie feeling that I was visited by something that felt familiar, still haunts me to this day. I hope you have enjoyed my story. It's no ghost sighting or alien abduction, but it was definitely very weird and very scary. I think Julio is into butt stuff. What? Or got probed by aliens. No, I, uh, that's where it's coming from with aliens thing. When it was like the two figures in the door and the one near. Oh. Being visited and probed. Well, I don't know. That or he's visited. Yeah. He didn't say his booty hurt, so. He's ashamed. Don't you, don't shame Julio. <laughs> don't you dare. <laughs> he is a major league baseball player. How dare you ruin his reputation? No, I, uh, I did think about that made me think though of like the the, the shadows in the door. Uh-huh. And then like another, you know, shadowy entity like up close that I know he interpreted as what, like niece, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like a smaller entity smaller and then entity. two larger entities. Yeah. I, I immediately thought of like that scene, just picked like hovering, zooming out and picturing the whole scene. Yeah. Of like my mind would go to possible like extraterrestrial visitation. Huh. Joking about the probe stuff, of course. That oh, is a, that kind is a, of. That is a, well, no, that's just a weird thing that like uh there's not actually that many stories. Of like anal probes. I, I don't even know how that became associated totally with aliens. I mean, there are a few, but it must have been a few that got popular a long time ago. And then it just like stuck as a joke. Because when you actually look into like extraterrestrial claims, it almost never comes up. But then there's people like you. Who like to perpetuate that myth. Uh-huh. But now, but now I'm calling myself out. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I got a little joke in, but now I'm like saying, I know, you loved it. Very funny. <laughs> it was super original too. You know, you know what? Yeah. You should take your show on the road. Oh man! <laughs> um, I I liked. Uh, I mean, liked is not maybe the right word, but um, what was intriguing about this story is like he knew it couldn't be his sister, uh, and or his niece. Like they were out of town. They're and not only out of town, but like they're out of the country. So it's not like they were on a road trip and they could have come home in yeah. any moment. And then like the niece is excited to see him and they're whatever. On the, they're on the space station. Yeah, they're out of the space station. So. You know, to have but th- that feeling of familiarity, thats to me, that's not very common with sleep paralysis. Usually sleep paralysis True. is full of like fear. I want to get out of this. I need uh-huh. this to stop. Make it go away. And and he was somehow calmed by the two large figures in the doorway. Aliens were comforting him. Oh, boy. Julio, can you send us an email? Do you think, since then, have you thought about this? Do you think it could be aliens? I want you to do something. I want you to get a friend. There we go. I want you to get a friend, and I want them to have a telescope, and I want them to stand across a well-lit room, and then you have to pull your butt cheeks, and they have to look in there and make for a probe or any kind of devices. Let them know this is science. You're just doing some technical stuff. Is anybody else annoyed by this right now? I've had enough. <laughs> okay, fair. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, who knows? Yeah, but it, yeah, like you said though, it is interesting. That, like no fear with yeah. it. Yeah. So I mean. But then still still woke up with that like heavy chest kind of feeling. Like did the little creature thing crawl on top of his chest? Was it just sleep paralysis? And the fact that he always, like when you have a certain kind of bed routine, bedtime routine, like we always sleep with our bedroom door closed. So if I wake up and the door is open, it does make me a bit anxious because I'm like, why is it open? Who opened it? Even if we get up in the middle of the night to use the restroom, we close the door behind us. Yeah. Rare, rare for sleep paralysis cases to have multiple figures. 
That's not something that comes up very often. Oh, I didn't think about that angle. Almost always a single entity. Mm-hmm. It's like the old hag syndrome. They call yep. it. We just did an episode a few weeks ago about that. Mm-hmm. The, the hag sitting on your chest, but it's like almost often, you know, like the nightmare, the word nightmare comes from people feel, feeling like they're being ridden by a, a witch type entity. Yeah. But singular, ne- almost never plural. Okay, so, so again, so that's an unusual aspect to this one. Julio, could you email us? One, give us access to Two, your private everything suite. I said. Yeah, give us access to your private suite at the Mariners. Oh, yeah. And then also, since this happened, like, mm-hmm. have you kind of examined this mentally and thought, like, wait a second, maybe it could be aliens? Like, what, what is your take? Or is this the first time you're thinking about that angle? And now that we've brought it up, what do you think? And obviously, it could just be a strange dream. It could be. It could mm-hmm. just be sleep paralysis. Yep. And, yep. But the door open. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Do you have time for one more, or do you have to go do butt stuff? <laughs> let me let me check. Uh, let me check my butt calendar. <laughs> no, I'm good. Oh God, I think we need sleep. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I feel loopy, but not in a bad way. Hopefully, it's entertaining. Like I I feel actually uh, like in a really good mood. But yeah, a little loopy. I feel a little outside of my head right now. Okay. It was great. It's yeah. great. I don't mind. All right. Do you have time for one more? I certainly do. Okay. And you said that you'd not like the title of this story of the uninvited sleepover guest, but I do like you're going to get into it now. I like it. I All right. Like well, here it. we go. Hey, Dan and Lindsay. Dan, you suck. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I have had many interactions with the paranormal over the years, but this is about the experiences I had specifically at my best friend's home when we were teenagers. My friend and I met in ninth grade and have been inseparable ever since especially since I had started spending nearly every weekend at her house to escape my own not-so-pleasant home life. The first time I came to her house, I immediately had an odd, heavy feeling, something like a sense of imminent danger. This feeling was something I would end up experiencing every time I visited her house. This was definitely not your typical haunted house, the Victorian house built in the 1800s or a dark old cabin in the woods. In fact, her home was built in the 2000s, a basic home in a neighborhood with hundreds just like it. To give some context about the layout of the home, which is important for later, it is a one-level home, and on the main, uh, the main door entered into the living room, which had the kitchen off to one side. Straight ahead was the hallway that led to the other rooms. As you went down the hall, there was a bathroom on the right, her brother's bedroom across from that, and then at the end of the hall were the other two bedrooms, one on the left and one on the right. Since the house was pretty new and they were the first to own it, I've often wondered where else the energy may have come from. As far as I know, nothing of historical importance happened on the land. Based on the location, it was likely just farmland for centuries. Personally, I think maybe the energy was coming from all of the random antiques her mom had acquired from various sources over the years. Or maybe it was attached to one of the family members. Or maybe it even came from some of the tension there, as there were several family issues that occurred. But wherever it came from, the first moment I stepped into the doorway, I felt a storm of heavy emotions, sorrow, desperation, anger, just an overall cloud of gloom that something inside of me was telling me to get away from. But of course, being a 14-year-old spending the night with her best friend for the first time, this was quickly pushed aside. Plus, it probably would have been a bit weird to ask, hey, does your house also make you feel a sense of impending doom, or is it just me? So we went to her room to get things unpacked. Her room had a unique setup since her brother's girlfriend had previously lived with them for a while. She had two twin beds in her room, and since it wasn't a huge space, one of the beds, the one I would sleep on, was pushed up against the closet door. Shortly after getting settled, we were hanging around in the room, and I still felt the heaviness. From the bed, I could look into the hallway and into her parents' bedroom. Something felt unnaturally dark there, like it was dark since the lights were off and they had blackout curtains, but this was a different kind of dark feeling. I noticed the energy felt even more repressive the closer I was to their room. I eventually mentioned these feelings to my friend, and it seemed I wasn't the only one who noticed. She said she had had some minor experiences over the years, mostly just an occasional unexplained noise or misplaced item, but she did believe her house was haunted. We were both also pretty big into the paranormal, so we had a lengthy conversation about things that had we had experienced, local haunted places, and things like that. And we had a typical night of teenagers doing things that we shouldn't do since her parents weren't there and had gone to a late concert. But as the day went on and we eventually got tired, we were now going to bed. I settled into my bed and the house was now quiet. I started to drift off when I heard a slight scratching sound. At first, I thought I had imagined it because it was so quiet. But then I heard it again. This time, two scratches, back to back and a bit louder. Quite awake now, I lie there wondering what it could be. 
The dog wasn't in the room and her door was closed, so he couldn't have come back in. I didn't have to wonder long because soon I was hearing several scratches back to back and quickly realized this noise was coming from inside of the closet door. The bed was pushed up against the closet. I sat upright and stared at the door. Not willing to be killed by a demon alone, I jumped into my friend's bed and told her what I was hearing. At first, she didn't believe me, and then she heard it herself. We both sat on the bed staring at the closet. She started to say something about it maybe being a mouse or something, in a tone that sounded like she was trying to convince herself too. But then, the door handle started to turn. At that point, we GTFO'd and ended up sleeping on the couch that night. Eventually, I spent so much time over there, I kind of got used to the odd happenings. Often, we would hear the odd creaks, scratches, and sounds of footsteps, and didn't really give it any attention. One night, I was staying over, and again, her parents were out. We were sitting in her room, and I needed to use the bathroom. I always hated having to go into the hallway at night, especially since I had to walk past her parents' room. But at this point, I didn't have much of a choice. I got up and crept down the hall and went to the bathroom. Almost as soon as I stepped in, I had this ice-cold feeling trickle down my back. My heart stopped and I felt this instinctual feeling that something was behind me. And without even thinking, I spun around. Behind me, in the doorway of the bathroom, was a white figure with long black hair and dark blurred area where the face should be. The figure was inhumanely tall. Is was inhumanly tall. I had reached the top of the door frame and it filled the entire space. As quickly as I saw it, it was gone. I was both terrified and confused and not knowing what to do or if somehow I imagined this, I ran back to her room. Still processing, I looked at her and her face was frozen as we both just stared at one another for a moment before either could say anything. I eventually started to speak. I just saw, but she cut me off. The huge white thing with the black hair, I fucking watched it come out of my parents' room and follow you down the hall. Now, unable to dismiss seeing this thing, we were both terrified and didn't know what to do. Eventually, we decided to sleep on the couch, and this time we slept with the lights and the TV on because in our minds, that somehow protected us from this thing. Nothing else happened that night, at least, and at least that was the last time I spent the night at her house. She also moved out not long after. As far as I know, her parents never experienced anything, or at least they never told any of us that they did. And they do still live there. I still don't know what that thing was, but I do know that there's definitely some things in this world that science can't explain. Thank you both so much for all you do. Keep up the STD and time suck. Love you guys, Sarah. Thanks, Sarah. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, that thing of like them both seeing that in a very like specific entity with like the dark hair, tall, uh, w- white, uh-huh. but then the blurry face. Oh man, that made me think of I 99% sure it's Korea. And there was this entity that's like, I want to say like the egg faced or something. Oh, egg. yeah, 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 yeah. And, and they don't have like facial features. That's right. And oh man, there was some crazy story about maybe a village of those, something yes, really something really creepy. strange. Yeah, yeah. I think it was in Korea. I feel like you had to like go through a tunnel to get there and I might be mixing two stories together, but, know, but there definitely is an entity time. that has something that translates to egg something that is like a, there's no facial features. And that's especially disturbing. Now. Yeah, that is especially disturbing. Also, egg again. ghost. Oh, it's just called the egg ghost. It's yeah. The egg ghost. Is it Korean? Uh, yes. Yeah. It's called the, uh, I'm not even trying to say this Korean word. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, also, Sarah, you might want to talk to your best friend, since you're still best friends, as you say, uh, about why she didn't come running down the hall afterwards after you to say, like, get the fuck out of there. So I was just thinking about this. I'm yeah. like, you little stinker. If I get up and walk down a hallway mm-hmm. and you see an entity come out of a, a bedroom yeah. and follow me and you don't come I, after me to save me, you're in so much trouble. How mad would you be if in that situation, not only do I not come out there, but I shut the door and then lock it to the room I'm in? <laughs> or even worse, you come like I'm like I've walked into yeah. the bathroom and or whatever room I'm walking into and the entity has gone in behind me uh-huh. and the door is still open and you and slam the it. door, you leave me in there with it. Ooh, I shut the door and then just run out of the house. Yeah. You just say like, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> uh, that would be a terrible thing to do. But Sarah, you might want to talk to your best friend. That was no, a little terrified. bit. terrified. But, but your best friend is in danger. You never know you're gonna, how you're going to react in those situations. So they happen. And what do they call Like fainter fawn? Fight or flight? Fight or flight, fainter fawn. Mm-hmm. Fainter freeze? Fainter freeze. I think it's fainter taint. Oh my God, you in the butts. That's, okay. not a, that's not a butt thing. 
It's, well, a, it's an almost butt thing. But it's not. Why did you take it to that place? Because I, I was just trying to rhyme. You're super focused just, on it today. No. Mm-mm. I, I thought it was a. I just thought it was fun to rhyme things. You're talking about. You made it weird. You were talking about butts this morning. <laughs> not what? Over coffee this morning. With. Uh, when have I ever outside? <laughs> <laughs> Oh. oh boy! Do you guys enjoy this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll find out. So many emails of like, knock it off, you two. I can't watch your show anymore. Can't listen to you the same you, way. You butt lovers. All I, all I think about is what things you've said on this episode. You're talking about blowing people up in cannons and <laughs> <laughs> alien probes. Oh, <laughs> so sorry. The catapult. Um, because I've had two ideas. I I can't remember what show I talked about this, but I came up with this last weekend. But for uh, oh my gosh! Something that was so freaky, it, like like a weird reflection happened to my glasses. That's what you think. And I thought there was like, for a second, I thought it was one of the dogs. And then I'm like, well, the dogs aren't here, but I saw like a little thing like walking over here. Oh my god! It was just like the way the light caught my glasses it scared the shit out of me for a second. Or there's a ghost in here. Yeah, 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 yeah. They don't, they don't like me talking about these death things, mocking death. Um, but there's the catapult, and then I also have thought about. Okay, big investment. I'm sure it would cost a lot to get this done. Let's do it. We have nothing but money to burn. But, sure. But, the, but you're dead. The, uh, but I'm dead? But a crazy... No, you do this if you're dead. This oh. For your own funeral, you have uh, some kind of exoskeleton put on your body. So like like Chuck E. Tr- Cheese animatronics that can like move uh-huh. you around. And can you imagine the, <laughs> in the middle of a funeral, something like Michael Jackson Thriller or something, and then the casket pops up, and then your body just gets up like you're with this brace system around it and starts doing dance moves. Incredible. That's the kind of things I think about a lot. I know. It, you have that whole album about, or that, was it an album or a bit? I think it's, it's on Chinese affection. Oh, yeah. About like, uh, if you had nothing but money. Oh, like yeah. Weird crazy, practical jokes. crazy things to do. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. When, uh, when we were at summer camp, there's going to be a lot of like, when we were at summer camp, so I apologize in advance, but somebody came through the meet and greet line and uh-huh. they had, oh, God, Gosh dang! It was like a, like the the funeral prayer cards, but they had like a funny joke or something on it. Oh, oh I can't what remember what it was, was but, it? but it was a relative of theirs who had died, and those were handed out at their funeral, and it was really funny. Oh, but what was it? We gag, autographed them, but now I can't remember, remember yeah. what it was. Shoot, shoot! That was really cool. That you brought that up. Yeah, I'm so glad I brought up that thing that I can't mm-hmm. remember. That's a good payoff. <laughs> Thanks, Annabelle. I'm so my brain is so foggy. I'm sorry, you guys. I've given it my all. I would I would like to do some Annabelle shoutouts. Okay. Please don't leave us after we've just talked about catapults and butts. Nicole Garvin, Kayla Marie, Jessica Quinlan, Taylor Bissell, Punk Pack. I like that. Caitlin Strojek, Daniel. I'm sorry, Danielle Reed, Kristen Kilby. Lee Garcia and Krista Mansfield. I would like oh oh well L I Lee Lai Lee Lee Garcia. How do you spell it again? L I Lee, I would say. Okay. Yeah. And I would like to thank the following Annabelle's Allison Bolin. Meh. <laughs> Just meh. Meh. I get it. John Harness, Ethan Snowberger, Nevada Lutz, Sam Yenter, Aaron Hoteberry. Oh, one letter away from Hotberry. I'm sure Aaron's heard that a oh, million. I'm sure. Is it uh, Aaron E or Aaron A? E R I N. Oh, Aaron, you poor thing, you. Oh, hot berry. Aaron, I hope you're so fucking hot. Hannah Lavoie, Amanda, oh, Czechoslovakian type name. Fr- Frank, Fr- Fransk, Franzak, and then TT or Tay Tay. I think it's Tay Tay. Tay Tay. How does that last name spell that? Frank. F R A N C Z. AK. I can never remember how the C. AK? AK. Mm-hmm. CZAK is the last part. And, and they're. Franzic. Franzic. Okay. Franzic. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Franzic. I think that's like Czechoslovakian, Hungarian, something that like C, uh, yep. Z combination. Yeah. But you just said Frank. You just stopped mm. at Frank. Oh, man. Oh, boy. I'm sorry that Dan ruined your name. I have- I'm, I'm still thinking of catapults and butts. I, that, that sounds like a, a country. Like a, for some reason, my brain turned that into a country. Catapults and butts. I'm just trying to drive out of this rut, and I keep getting stuck in my truck. Catapults and butts. <laughs> no, something there. What what radio station do you hear that on? <laughs> it's not on the butts. It's not on. That's no, I know. I wonder. No. no, that is not adult contemporary. <laughs> no, this, we need a country station. 
DJ Honey will not be playing Catapults and Butts. I'm sorry if that is controversial, but that has no place on this station. Uh, back to some uh, uh, Celine Dion. Thank you. Hmm? I have the following spoopy shout-outs. Okay. To Peru from Ethel. Hey, look at us. Meet you at the altar. I love you. They're getting married on 1013. Awesome. Oh, boy, you guys. Well, now I think I've really, now I've done it. On last week's episode, as in the episode we recorded just a few hours huh, ago, huh? I was doing spoopy shout outs. And on the very first yeah. one, I said something about getting married and I realized you're not getting married. So, oh my God, oh my God that is hysterical. Well, oh, oh, okay. Okay. In my defense, yeah. the first spo spoopy shout out from last week was two pirate captain from Rose, happy birthday and wedding day. Ah. Oh my God. Could you imagine? It's like a He's, couple. They're like, the what? one of them is like oh, <laughs> waiting for the proposal. Oh, boy. I've just ruined life for everyone. Whoo-wee. Okay. To Jacob from Taylor, thank you for being my spoopy partner in crime. I can't wait to spend the rest of our lives together. To Mark from Michelle, happy 14th anniversary. I love you. To Harper and Rory from your mom, Amanda, happy birthday to my super creepers. I love you so much. To Olivia from Lane, happy birthday. Two beady days together and so many more to come. I love you more and more every day. And to Kelly from Dave, happy birthday. I love you. Mick Albestrock. It's like an inside joke. Oh, uh, Kelly is Irish and she wants like a Mick last name. Uh -huh. And he, Dave doesn't have that. So they have like a funny made up last name. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> cute. Always the cute spoopy shout outs. And yeah, that's our show. That's it. That's it. That's it. Catapults and butts. Thank, thank you for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. You can email us for everything else at info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thank you to Tyler C. Louisville's finest. Producing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> producing, directing, scoring. It's like the only sound he can make right now. <laughs> Tyler, do you want some? I'm, I'm going to Starbucks. Do you want a coffee? And he just chimes in with, oh, yeah. Tyler, do you want a hot dog for lunch? You already had a <laughs> Thanks to I didn't know there was a question for real. <laughs> I feel like the only way you're allowed to answer questions now. Uh, oh, yeah. Thanks to Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails, book editor Drew Atana for polishing, preparing listener stories for book number five. Thanks to producer Olivia Lee for finding the second story uh, I told this. Uh, no, actually, she found the first story I told this week. Uh, Sarah Finch found the second. Well, thank you, Sarah Finch. If you'd like to listen and watch, please subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube. Check out the set. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you want pics that accompany episodes at Scared to Death Podcast. Uh, we are also on TikTok with the same handle. And we have a private Facebook group, Creeps and Peepers. Get in there. Meet some fellow horror lovers. If you don't want ads and do want monthly bonus episodes and more, check out our Patreon. And if you find yourself down on your luck, stuck in a rut, just think about catapults and butts. Something like that. Totally. Uh, uh, enjoy your nightmares, creeps and fevers. I hope you're scared to death. Bye, guys. We'll be better. <laughs> we'll be better next week, is what I was going to say. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but has no home here within scared to death. Bad Magic Productions. The Uninvited Sleepover Guest. You like that title? Yeah. I thought it was dumb. Oh. Anyway, uh, <laughs> no, I think it's a really good. I was going to say that no matter what you just said.